This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. Really kind of an act of academic disobedience, we shared this research publicly at a press conference in the hospital, um, calling on on the state to, to declare a health advisory and to get us back on treated Great Lakes water. That's Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha talking about her research that helped expose the lead crisis in Flint, Michigan. And welcome to another episode of WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. Find us at wqa.org, on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. This is podcast number 101. And if you're a first-time listener, welcome. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. In this episode, we're sharing highlights from our 2018 podcasts. First up, Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, the pediatrician who helped bring to light the lead crisis in Flint, Michigan. We pick up the conversation with her decision to go public with her research. Yeah, so, you know, the book really walks through the the fast-paced, you know, page-turning kind of drama that happened in that one-month period. It was one month of around-the-clock research. From the moment that I found out there was a possibility of lead in the water, I knew I needed the data. I knew I needed the the evidence, the, the science that that lead in the water was getting into the bodies of our children. I knew that I needed that proof of impact for anything to change. And um, that research happened in record speed. We looked at the lead levels of children that were already done part of routine screening. We compared them to what was happening before the water switch to what was happening after the water switch. Um, and really contrary to everything in the nation and the state and even in the city of Flint where lead levels had been coming down for the last few years, um, we saw an increase in, in children's lead levels. It was worse in areas that had the highest water lead levels, and we also noted that there was nothing happening outside of the city drinking water limits. Uh, so we we did something that doctors aren't supposed to do. Um, academics, researchers, you know, you are supposed to share your research in a peer review process. Uh, you're supposed to get research published in journals, at conferences. Uh, but we, that takes time, and the children of Flint did not have another day. So really, kind of in, a, in an act of academic disobedience, we shared this research publicly at a press conference in the hospital, um, calling on, on the state to, to declare a health advisory and to get us back on treated Great Lakes water. And you were actually met with a fair amount of opposition or resistance, as the title of your book puts it from public officials. Uh, Did you expect that, and and how did you deal with it? Yeah, you know, I I did expect it. Everybody who had raised concerns about the water had been really dismissed and denied by the state. Uh, The amazing moms and and the activists, the pastors, journalists, uh, water experts who clearly showed very transparently that there was lead in the water. Everybody in the story had been attacked when they raised concerns. So I, I expected to have a little bit of pushback, but, but nothing can prepare you um, for, for what it's like when really the entire state and multiple arms of the state tell you that you're wrong. Um, they called um, 
my research, uh, they said my research was being sliced and diced, that I was an unfortunate researcher causing hysteria, um, and that, that the state's numbers, because the state has all this data, uh, was not consistent with, with my numbers. So, um, you know, it, nothing, nothing can prepare you for that. And, and, and at one point, I believed them. I, I thought I screwed up. I thought I was wrong. I doubted myself. And, you know, then, you know, I kind of woke up and I realized that every single data point, every, every fact in my research, every number was not just a number. It was, it was a kid. It was a child. It was a child who, as a pediatrician, I've taken an oath to protect. Um, and those kids got me back in this, in this fight and we fought back with, with more numbers, with more science, with more evidence. Um, that our children were being exposed to lead from the drinking water. Uh, and ultimately, it was our science that spoke truth to power, and the, and the state finally conceded. But, but my science, um, my science was, was unnecessary. Um, it never should have gotten to the point where you needed my science of, of children's lead levels to end this crisis. Uh, common sense science was dismissed from the be- very beginning, the science of not treating this water properly. But... You know, just a few months into this water switch, General Motors, which was born in Flint, still has plants in Flint, stopped using this water because it was corroding their engine parts. You know, and that was a full year prior to my research. So there were many, many missed opportunities to to stop this crisis, to never have it happen in the first place. Um, And it all reflects really our denial and dismissal of science. That was Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha, the pediatrician who helped uncover the lead crisis in Flint, Michigan. You can hear the full interview by going to podcast number 90. Next up, John Packard, former WQA president and Hall of Fame inductee. We caught up with John at the WQA Business Boot Camp in Denver at the WQA convention last March. One of the surprising things when You know, as a presenter at many WQA events, um, I almost feel I get more out of them than some of the participants. But one of the shocking things about I found out about my own company is I now have 46% of my employees are millennials. And we've been dealing with that for the last at least 10 years. And I think a lot of people have. And, you know... Really, in order to be successful nowadays, you need to figure out how to manage them, how to make them productive, and how to make them a meaningful part of your business. And um, many people are fighting it. Um, I felt it in the room today from the questions being asked. And I think that was a, you know, maybe hopefully a key takeaway is, you know, we got to look at the millennials not as... uh, uh, a critical, not not being critical of them, but how do we integrate them into our business so that our businesses continue to be successful? Right, and then how do you also market to them? Exactly, and uh, yeah, we we talked a little bit about that. Um, millennials um, actually don't like the way we market. They aren't real comfortable with door-to-door sales, and our websites aren't particularly friendly to them. And that was one message we had because I'm getting a lot of input from marketing firms that my websites are not, you know, particularly friendly, and I've got to do some soul-searching into what changes to make there. Yeah. 
Now, as you uh, look at WQA, uh, the convention that we're here just about ready to start in Denver, and you've been a past president on the board and, and serving in various capacities and having won numerous honors, what's the value of a WQA convention to you? Well, Wes, I can't remember how old I was, but I know I was at my first real convention when I was something like 21 years old. It was in St. Paul. I'll never forget it. And I'm now 71 years old. So it's been a long run. And I'll tell you what, I credit WQA with a huge part of my learning what to do in this industry. You can't help but come to these meetings. And, and the profession, or the, uh, the uh, formal events are one thing. But the conversations in the hallways, the conversations I have with my fellow brand dealers and my competitors is invaluable. I, I can't tell you how, how that's formed my business life. Um, it's just been terrific. And um, I now have my son in the business, and he's starting to see the value of it, and I, I couldn't be more thrilled with that. That was John Packard from Packard Culligan in Minnesota. The full interview was in podcast number 64. For these and all of our podcasts, simply go to blog.wqa.org. Now our WQA tip. WQA members need to get their dues renewal payments in before December 31st to receive 2018 rates. Go to wqa.org membership today. And if you're not yet a member, well, join now and receive free registration for the 2019 WQA convention and exposition coming up in April in Las Vegas. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for WQA Radio, then hit subscribe. Each new podcast will appear in your podcast catcher or podcast player automatically each week. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to rate and review the podcast as well. Learn more about water at WQA.org and learn more about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio. WQA Radio.